Okay, well, good evening and welcome to another episode of Take the Two. Now, we had quite an interesting round of games in round nine. It's hard to believe already up to round 10, essentially, you know, halfway through this shortened season that we are facing in light of the ongoing pandemic. Certainly, it's going to be another interesting round to look forward to. As always, Tom is here. Hey going, Ricky? Yeah, looks like another good week of uh, footy this week. Should be a couple of tight ones, a couple of games probably looking like blowouts this week. But in this week, you never know. We've had some pretty crazy results over the last few weeks, so I'm sure it'll be more of the same this week. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I guess we certainly start off with a, look, I guess a, an entertaining clash. Obviously, everyone is talking about it as, you know, the grand final rematch and, you know, game of the round. But in current 2020 form, you probably look at this and, and I guess, see how different the sides currently are. You know, just just both across the park and in terms of their, of their form, obviously we are talking about the Sydney Roosters and the Canberra Raiders. Now the Roosters are coming off pretty convincing win against the North Queensland Cowboys. I mean, that was, that was probably a given that they were going to win. That was just a question by how much then you move over to the, the side of the Canberra Raiders. Obviously, you know, the people are still talking about the, that Bailey Simonson sin binning and was it the right call and, and whatnot. And obviously, you know, the storm will score off that and then won a narrow game against the Raiders last week. Obviously, this is a game, look, I mean, it, it, it's a grand final rematch. You would presume the Raiders are going to be up for it, Tom. But this is certainly not the same Raiders side, just given the n- number of injuries that they've got. So it's really, I guess it's just really hard to to give them a chance of winning, considering that the Roosters are obviously, aside from Radley and Sam Verrills, they're essentially close to full strength. Yeah, 100% caught in a back this week as well, which helps them. I think both sides will be up for this game, but... As you said, you just can't really give the Raiders a chance without uh, Josh Hodgson there. Obviously, Saliba Havili is a good player. He's shown in the past uh, to be a good defender, but he just won't give them that a real attacking go-forward through the middle that Hodgson provides. You know, he's one of the best hookers in the league, and you can't really replace that. I think uh, a guy that's unlucky this week for the Roosters is Ryan Hall. Obviously, we saw last week Matt Ikevalu coming late for Brett Morris, and I think we saw Ryan Hall switch from the right to the left and end up being five tries to Ikevalu on the right, and now Ryan Hall's lost his spot. So... I feel for him there, but yeah, as I said, I think Roosters will get up here, and then for the Roosters, it, it the draw really opens up in the next few weeks with the Warriors, Titans, and Dragons to follow um, Canberra this weekend. So, you know, it could be a, a very breezy f- uh, few weeks for them. Yeah, I mean, and they certainly, I mean, for the most part, they were certainly firing on all, cylinder, all cylinders against the Cowboys. I mean, you know, you only have to look at Tedesco who is without question the best player in the game right now. It's just sort of almost like he can do no wrong. But yeah, look, I mean, I think it's it's as much as I guess people want to try and give Canberra a chance, it's just, you know, I mean, this is essentially a, a very, you know, makeshift side. Like, I mean, you know, they're missing goodness knows how many forwards. And as you said, you know, Josh Hodgson is probably the biggest, probably the biggest loss that they've had, obviously, with that ACL injury. And it's just hard to see sort of where, where the Raiders could potentially win because... The Roosters have very few weaknesses, so... Yeah, definitely, and I think, obviously, it's going to become really tough for the Raiders now. Even, you know, without Hodgson, probably still good enough to hold on to their spot in the eight, but I think you can pretty much put their top four aspirations to bed now. I guess, yeah, which is a shame in many ways, and obviously, I guess Canberra would have wanted to emulate, or at least, you know, go close to sort of that that top four supremacy, and I get some consistency that, obviously, they've lacked for, what, the better half of the last eight to ten years... But, yeah, with Hodgson, I mean, it's just it's hard to see where they're going to get that sort of, I guess, that dynamic sort of spark from that you expect from most of your 
most most of your hookers in the game, and and it's just yeah, it's hard to see them going toe to toe with the Roosters. I mean, look, I'm not expecting a blowout, but certainly not expecting a two point win to the Roosters. You know, you're probably something in the range of what I guess that 12 to 18 mark at least. It's probably obviously with the Roosters dominating, but you know, Canberra putting in an effort at least and and, and showing some some spirit. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so our first game on Friday, so we have the Storm and the Titans. Now, look, I guess, you know, you look at the two sides, you probably think, yep, the Storm are going to absolutely destroy the Titans and Titans are no chance. But I guess, you know, the Titans are coming off a pretty, I guess, hard fought and sort of, I, I mean, pretty good win in the end. I mean, I know they're playing the Warriors and people will say what they want about that, but the Titans didn't look too bad in that game. I thought uh, it was a good second game for for young rookie Bo Furmore. Obviously, they welcome back Brian Kelly and Philip Sammy as well, who are, you know, big mobile players playing in the centres. I mean, I'm certainly not expecting them to win against the Storm, but I guess, obviously, they and they didn't come close in the last meeting between the two sides this year. But I think for the most part, this is probably, if it's the right way to put it, a, a different Titan side to the one the Storm faced earlier in the season, Tom? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, I think they've grown more resilient over the last few weeks and found a couple of combinations that are working. Obviously, um, both for more last week, picked up that try uh, to finish off the game for them. But he's been solid over the last few weeks. Uh, Tremaine Spryer was decent last week as well. I think Corey Thompson at the back really improves their squad. And back to a game last year, sort of about that round 18 mark, uh, if I remember correctly, where these two teams faced off. And, you know, the Titans burst out of the gate. I think they led something like, you know, 8 or 10 nil at the start of the game. Then they're getting run down. But, you know, that's what I think the Titans are capable of here, you know. If they can really get the jump on Melbourne, who, you know, all Craig Bellamy sides tend to come out pretty focused no matter who the opposition are. But if they can get the jump on the Storm, who, you know, maybe come out a little bit complacent, then uh, 100% they can put up a fight. But, you know, if Melbourne come out uh, business as usual, you'd probably think that uh, they'll get the job done again, especially with the inclusion of Cam Munster this week back from that uh, that ankle injury. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that, that's certainly a, a huge boost, obviously. You know, we know what Munster's capable of, and obviously he's... I guess one, or not. I guess he is one of the best five eights in the game. Obviously, I mean they've got Jesse Bromwich out as well, so Brandon Smith starts at prop. Does that affect the Storms' go forward and momentum in the forwards in any way? You think Tom, or or shouldn't make too much of a difference overall? Oh, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference really. I think Brandon Smith has shown that he's a more than capable replacement, and he's really shown to be a really versatile player this year. Obviously, filling in in that nine role uh, in the thirteen, and now in the eight as well. So moving forward, they definitely won't want to lose him, but. Yeah, I think that um, Melbourne should get home pretty easy here. And I think even um, with that loss, as you said, I think uh, they'll be too strong um, over a very inexperienced Titans pack. Yeah, look, I mean, as, as we were saying earlier, I mean, I'm certainly not expecting a, a blowout by any means, but much like the Roosters Raiders, it's, it's you know, a storm win is almost a formality, essentially. But it, it should be a good contest, nevertheless. So, look, I guess we'll move on to the third game of the round. And obviously, this is one that I guess you'll be keeping tabs on more than most time as a Tigers fan. Obviously, you know, we know where the Broncos are at. They did get that, I guess, confidence-boosting win against the Bulldogs. But, you know, probably wasn't really a, the best representation of where they're at, seeing as the Bulldogs themselves are travelling pretty poorly. I guess, obviously, as a Tigers fan, you would have been a bit disappointed with how they played against the Bunnies overall. But I want to get your thoughts on, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's all Tigers fans are talking about at the moment. Luke Brooks getting dropped to the bench and, the, and a starting halves combo of Billy Walters and Benji Marshall. So what sort of role are you expecting Brooks to play now that he's off the bench? And I guess, do you think it's the right move 
for the you know for the club at this present time? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think obviously there's been a lot of uh, discussion in amongst the Tigers fan groups on social media, and uh, you know a lot of critics out there of Lou Brooks and. I'm I'm not one of them myself, actually. I think, obviously, last week wasn't his best performance defensively. I don't think he was helped by uh, Moses Zembai at all there. But I think off the bench, uh, you might see uh, him swap with Harry Grant and then Billy Walters slotting into that nine role and Benji into the six. I think I'd like to see Luke Brooks find a bit of his ball, ball playing again. Obviously, two years ago, he was the Dalian halfback of the year. and I think this year, he's just in a little bit of a slump. Obviously, I've noticed he's running it a little bit more, which is obviously, you know, if we look at someone like Anthony Milford, we really want to encourage the young halves to run. But I think he's just got to sometimes look out the back a little bit more. Um, just that indecision is costing us a little bit. Um, I was out there at Parramatta on Friday night and it was all just a little bit slow. And I think when Benji came on, he really sparked it and brought a bit of energy on. And I think that the Tigers will be looking for Brooks to do the same off the bench this week. And, you know, he can definitely do that. He's got that speed. And, you know, late in the game with some tiring forwards, obviously, um, the Broncos have uh, got a few injuries floating around, but if he can uh, come on and just bring a little bit of spark, then 100% he could um, definitely be a game changer late in the game. I was a little bit surprised when I heard the news this morning, but I think Michael Maguire set a precedent with Benji Marshall earlier in the season, and you know it's good to see him sticking with that and sending a clear message to his players. Yeah, I mean, well, we know from Maguire's time at South that he certainly, you know, he, he does place a lot of emphasis on defence like that, you know, that old school sort of Craig Bellamy style where, you know, it, it's you defend your heart out and then the attack just comes naturally. So I guess it's certainly no surprise. I mean, I guess from the outside looking in, I mean, certainly, you know, you do see Luke Brooks cop a lot of flack. So I guess some warranted, some not. I guess it's just, you know, he's just one of those, I guess, a polarising figure in a way. But I, I, mean, I will admit, it, as, as an outsider, it did surprise me a little bit. But obviously... You know, as you said, Maguire has certainly not been shy to just tell a player, look, I'm going to drop you or you go onto the bench because of, you know, your poor defence, as it, as he did with Benji earlier in the season. So it will be interesting to see sort of how Brooks responds to it and, and the role that he does play off the bench. Obviously, as you said, it could be swapping for Harry Grant, then Walters will slot back to dummy half. But obviously, you know, Maguire does like a good mind game as well or a sort of a interesting swap. So it, it'll, it'll be good to sort of see how how he intends to use him for this game. And I guess moving forward too, if this becomes a, I guess more than just a, a one week sort of change. Yeah, definitely. And um, probably one I was interested in seeing today was uh, Russell Packer coming back. I definitely didn't expect that. Obviously um, had his troubles earlier in the year in that first game back against the Raiders. Um, he swapped in for Ollie Clark there. And I think that's just a move to negate the impact of the Brisbane forwards, obviously Tavita Pangai Jr. And Payne Haas are probably one of the, the best young forward pack uh, front row pairings in the game. And I think they're just trying to, uh, Michael Maguire is just trying to block off some of their impact. And then as I said, yeah, with Brisbane um, did what they needed to do last week, but that game was probably a more of an indictment on the, on the Bulldogs and where they are at um, than sort of a, a, a great result for the Brisbane side. A lot of uh, word coming out of Brisbane today that there's some injuries floating around to guys like Tessie New and Herbie Farnworth. So uh, it would just be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, Ben Teo has already slotted into that starting second row spot. And, yeah, it would be, uh, I think, an interesting game that really could go either way. You know, probably I think the punters have the Tigers as the favourites at the moment. But as we've seen in the past, the Tigers have a good tendency to win the uh, win the games they shouldn't and lose the ones that they're favoured to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that, that. I guess that tends to be the same for a lot, of, a lot of teams. But, yeah, I mean, I think you'd probably give the Tigers the edge, I guess, just based on, the ongoing, I get not turmoil, but sort of you know injury concerns. Even the Broncos have, and 
that you know they did win, but obviously that as you said, that was more indicative of a poor dog side than the than the Broncos sort of playing out of their skin. I mean, real. I mean, I guess th- their best player last week was Tavita Pangai Jr. across the board, and you know, obviously, I guess as good as he can be, we know he can also be prone to doing something stupid. So obviously, you know, I guess you're you're, you're always looking and hoping as a Broncos fan or for the Broncos fans out there that he doesn't do that and. When he's on, he's on, much like many players. But obviously, we know that his best and his worst are not even close in any way, shape, or form. So we'll move on to Saturday. Now, I guess Bulldogs fans are probably thinking, where's our Sunday afternoon game? But here they are at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. But, yeah, look, as we just touched on the Bulldogs before, you know, they're... Look, they're not travelling well. It's, you know, safe to say. We know that Dean Pay is going to be gone at the end of the season. I guess obviously hasn't been confirmed in terms of his sacking and Trent Barrett potentially coming in. Whether that excites Bulldogs fans or not, I guess it's up to them. Yeah, it's not really too much to say about the Dogs. I mean, I don't think Luke Thompson was too bad on his, for his club debut. Lachlan Lewis will come back in, which I'm not surprised. I mean, Brandon Wakeham, for all all the hype that he received and, and all the supposed people saying that, oh, he's going to be better than Lewis and et cetera, et cetera. His kicking game probably wasn't where it needed to be, and look, kicking in this game is is everything. It's obviously gets you your yardage and puts the opposition on the back foot. We have Meany and Meany and uh, Dallin Wattenis-Lesniak swapping around. Meany playing fullback, but I don't see them being the Dragons really. I mean, look, the Dragons they've had a pretty good run the last few weeks, which I think has been spearheaded mainly by three guys. Uh, Zach Lomax in the centres has, I think, he's found his position. I mean, he's really seems to be getting on the front foot, making the tackles, obviously, you know, applying pressure on, on the on the attackers as well. I think he ended up, ended up with one or two intercepts in the in their win against Manly. And, I mean, he's, he's really coming into his own, which is great to see, given he had the uncertainty with, you know, starting as, as the fullback early this season. But I think the shift that, I mean, I mean you, you, maybe you'll agree as well, Tom, is the shift that probably, I guess it has really helped them is, I mean, it's only been, it was only one week, but you could just sort of see how well the attack was flowing. Is Benny Hunt to Hooker and Cam McInnes at lock? I mean, I think that, you know, certainly Cam McInnes is small, but I mean, much like you look at, you know, the guys like Jazz Tavang, even Brandon Smith, these guys are small, but they, they just, they run hard and fast. And I guess as an opposition defense, you're probably not expecting a guy that, a small guy with that sort of footwork at the line that can, you know, get a half break or two and just really opens your attack up even more. Yeah, definitely. I think that, as you said, that move Ben Hunt to Hooker last week worked really well. And I think Matt Dufty has also been big at fullback and also you and Aitken in the centres. I think both the centres for the Dragons have been outstanding in the last few weeks and really sparked their attack down both sides. And with Dufty floating out the back, um, they've been able to score plenty of points, which is you know good to see for Dragons fans. It's you know, been a while. It was three wins in about 12 months there at one stage. So good for them to, to finally get some points on the board but it's gonna be an interesting one this week I think uh, I like the move of Nick Meany to fullback I think he's nice and safe under the high ball again in a very similar move to Dufty can use that speed out the back good ball playing ability I think good to see Luke Thompson in the NRL last week obviously he played about 60 minutes and they're really going to need his go forward especially with Adam Elliott out for an extended period of time now obviously not one that's super appealing to the neutrals but this one could be a um, definitely a tight game there could be plenty of points on offer as well yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, I guess defensively both sides have struggled in the past, so certainly wouldn't surprise you if it's a very close game because they just sort of bottle up or if it's a very high-scoring game overall. Probably look, an interesting one for me is obviously we know 
Jordan Pereira is out for another week because of suspension. I'm surprised Jason Saab is there. I mean, he was there for, what was it, two or three weeks when Pereira was suspended earlier this season. And it just didn't look great at all, considering, obviously, we know he requested that release. And I think we spoke about it after after the those games. Didn't look good at all. And here he is getting picked again over you know, the likes of Tristan Saylor that I guess Dragons fans are probably disappointed that he didn't get the nod and Saab has. Is this, is this, I guess, do or die for Saab in a way, Tom, if he's to stay at the Dragons and convince McGregor he can play regularly? Yeah, definitely. As you said, I, I would have liked to have seen Tristan Saylor get a crack there. I know he, I think he debuted last year against the Tigers in round 24 or, or uh, had a really, I'm not, not sure if it was his debut, but he had a really great game that afternoon at the SCG. And I think it, he could really add a, that extra little bit of spark out the back. And I think him and Matt Dufty could be a really interesting combination moving forward. You know, obviously Tristan Saylor is probably more of a fullback himself, but playing on the wing, I guess the concern with Saylor is his size, just not as tall as Saab and, you know, up against uh, Wateni Zalesniak and Christian Crichton, you know, both, you know, pretty strong in the air, especially when you can see you've got Marcelo Montoya on the inside as well. Um, that just could be the deciding factor there, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the two of them uh, swap over the next few weeks and maybe even the weight change this week. Yeah, I guess time will tell, but certainly, uh, there's, I mean, that's instead of only talking about Paul McGregor and how much they don't like him, that certainly seems to be uh, the topic that Dragons fans are talking about. But look, I mean, it might work and Saab might redeem himself, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens in that regard. So game two on Saturday, we have the Rabbitohs and the Knights. Obviously, you know, we touched on the Rabbitohs earlier about their win over your mob, the Tigers, Tom. Look, I mean, I don't think the Raiders, oh, the Raiders, the Rabbitohs were... I wouldn't say they were impressive by any means. I mean, I think they, they were, that game was probably more a case of, I thought the Tigers lost it rather than the Rabbitohs won it. So, you know, it's probably more indicative of what they, the Rabbitohs did just enough to win. Obviously they got plenty of improvement still to come in their side. I mean, we'll see Jackson Paulo make his NRL debut. Uh, it came from the Titans, I think from, uh, from Kibra Park, obviously, you know, famous high school nursery and, certainly produce its fair share of talent. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes. I guess for the Knights, I mean, look, you know, they they were pretty much in it for a lot of that game against the Eels. You know, I thought they, you know, defended pretty well. Maybe sort of, I guess the last couple of weeks have probably gone away from, I guess, the attack that has worked for them. Obviously, you know, their Ponga is doing a bit of, a bit of floating and roaming rather than, you know, sort of sticking to that left side that seemed to work so well for them, probably from what, rounds four to seven, give or take. I mean, I, I think in this one, I can see I, I can see the Knights winning this one. I think the Rabbitohs just... I think there's just too much inconsistency there for mine. I mean, even though they, got, they do have Walker and Reynolds who have combined well in the past, I think overall, I don't think the side has quite found their mojo. And I think it's sort of taking a bit too long to try and find it. Whereas, you know, I, I think the Knights obviously they had that loss against the Cowboys. And obviously, you know, then they've, they've now lost, they lost to the Eels, but in a game where I thought they weren't too bad overall. I think if they just, you know, polish a few things up and, you know, sort of work on either having Ponga only on the left or only on the right, they've had Kurt Mann playing on the left quite a, quite a fair bit, and I guess it's sort of, you know, disrupting the effect of Ponga. But, yeah, I think if they can sort of get Mann to play a bit more centrally and have Mann as the one floating around rather than Ponga, I think Ponga down that left again can probably probably do a number on, on the bunnies quite a few times. Yeah, agreed. I think that's going to be the key for Newcastle. And, you know, I'm not quite sure what O'Brien's thinking there because I think we can all see it. Uh, plenty's been spoken about it, especially in the Supercoach community, about how we'd love to see Ponga floating down both sides, but especially down that left because 
I guess the guy that's uh, really being negatively impacted by this move is Bradman Best. We saw in those first few weeks of his career, he was just an absolute gun down that left side and absolutely destroyed uh, both the right side defences they played. And then uh, the last two weeks, he's been pretty pretty quiet. So um, it's going to be a good battle there, as you said, with Jackson Paulo. Um, just having a bit of a read about him this afternoon. Obviously, um, pretty big lad, uh, 190 centimetres, over 100 kilos. So him probably up against Heimel Hunt. It's going to be a, a, a nice little battle there. I think as well, um, this game's probably going to be one in the outside back. Both sides have got pretty similar forward packs. Obviously, a big loss for Newcastle and Daniel Saifidi. They'll get Jacob in there, so it's not too much of a loss in the starting side, I guess, but definitely that, that impact off the bench. Uh, good to see Connor Watson back as well. I thought he really was solid in those first few rounds before he got injured. Uh, one thing for Southside I noticed last week, and it's something I guess you don't really see on TV and can't get a really good feel for it, but watching the game live, they just they seemed very slow. All their shapes out the back were, it almost seemed a little bit lethargic, and obviously um, the Tigers defended pretty poorly, and they still managed to get through, but I just thought if you could implement a little bit more speed through the shapes and out the back, then they'll, they'll definitely get some teams and could cause some upsets this year. And I think one guy that could be really key in that this week is Alex Johnston, obviously in for Latrell, who's suspended. And, um, you know, if he can link up well with guys like Gagai and Corey Allen and, uh, and his halves, Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, I think, yeah, the Rabbitohs could definitely put up a fight. And I think this one will be a lot closer than most people think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly, I mean, you know, on paper and on form, it's certainly everything says it's going to be a, a, you know, a hard, a, a good, hard-fought and close game. But I think, yeah, to your point, yeah, the Bunnies, I, I think that's probably been almost their Achilles heel this season. They're sort of, you know, like it's almost once every three weeks to have that game where, you know, they look sharp, they look nippy, they look, I guess, potent out of dummy half, especially with Cook. And, and then pretty much every, every other week, they, they look slow, they look sloppy, they sort of, you know, whether it comes down to, I guess, Cook not being to emulate that sort of, 2019 form that we saw consistently or whether it's a case of losing the Burgess brothers, obviously not Tom because he's there, but, you know, Sam and George, I guess, were notorious for getting quick play the balls and whatnot. So I guess whether it's just because Cam Murray is the only one that supposedly does get those quick play the balls, if that's slowing them down a little bit or whatever it is, but it's certainly, you know, it, it, I mean, yeah, when, certainly when they're not on the attack from dummy half, South certainly do struggle overall, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think you've only got to look back two years ago to when they were under Anthony Seabold. And I remember that year, Robert Jennings just absolutely tore up on that left edge on, you know, scrum plays and things like that. And some of the, you know, the best shapes and block players I've ever seen run were coming out, out of that Rabbitoh system. And I think in comparison this year, it's, you know, no contest. And whether that's the addition of Latrell Mitchell or something else, as you said, the Burgess um, the brothers are leaving the club. You know, I think it's all played its part and um, it'll take a little bit more time for those combinations to gel. And, you know, it's just going to be whether the Rabbitohs can get that done, as you said earlier in the in the show. Obviously, we're halfway through the season now, so time's running out for them to really get it clicking before the uh, the pointy end of the year. Yeah, it should certainly be in for a very interesting and exciting clash in that one. Obviously, two sides that can attack and can attack well when they need to. So probably, you know, would be very surprising to see a defensive slugger, slugger in that one. So our final game on Saturday, we have, I guess, a, not a local derby, but certainly a, a very fiery derby. You know, Manly and the Eels go back quite a number of years. And obviously through the 80s, along with the Dogs, the Eels had, you know, a lot of rivalry with Manly and whatnot. But I guess coming to this game, this is probably probably two teams going in opposite directions, Tom. Obviously the Eels, we know that they're first. I guess they weren't, look, 
I'll be the first to admit as an Eels fan, they weren't great by any means against the Knights last week, but you know they they, they found a way to win. They they grinded it out, sort of re- relied on their defence more so than their attack to to get them that win, which is obviously you know the balance that you want from I guess from any side that can contest for the Premiership is you want to be able to attack, but also defend when you need to. But mainly against the Dragons, I mean, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it wasn't pretty at all. So, look, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm I'm not, not expecting a blowout, but even as as an Eels fan, this is probably, I guess, given how Manly is playing, the injuries that they have got is particularly in the forward pack. This is probably or suspension in the case of Fanua Blake. Uh, yeah, this this is probably a game that I, that I'd be confident in saying that the Eels can win just just based on where the two teams are at at the moment. Yeah, definitely, and I probably disagree with you there in saying there's not going to be a blowout because I can't see Eels not winning this one uh, fairly large, actually. Obviously, as you said, I think you know, Manly just going downhill very quickly, and the injury to Tom Trebojevic is obviously the main catalyst of that, and then you add in that, that suspension to Fenua Blake, and just all their attacking output has just been absolutely killed. Um, obviously, Kate Cust into the starting side. Look, it's it's an interesting choice. He was there last week. Nothing nothing really happened there. Obviously, he came in pretty late for Lockie Croker. I'd probably be inclined to put Lockie Croker back in there just for that extra little bit of experience, but that's uh, Des Hadler's prerogative there, and I think that it probably doesn't matter which one he puts in and up against you know, Dylan Brown and Jay Field. I was super impressed last week with Jay Field. I thought the way he played against Newcastle, um, got that running game out, but also you know a bit of ball playing as well. Uh, you got Ryan Madison involved. I thought Reid Marnie was excellent. I think he picked up the three daily end points for that game. Parramatta, everything's gelling. Obviously, you know, we we spoke last week about hoping for a big game from uh, Stefano Otwekamanu. And, you know, he came on <laughs> for that mighty one run at the end of the game and then got a COVID breach. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you compare it to someone like uh, Charlie Staines, you know, which one would you prefer? You know, one run at the end of the game or, or four tries? He's a tough choice, <laughs> but... Yeah, I think definitely the Eels for this one. And um, I'll be looking to see uh, how Junior Paulo goes this week. He obviously had uh, some back spasms last week in that second half that prevented him from playing um, much there. So I think it would be really important for him to get back to 100%, and then uh, the Eels will continue their push on. Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of Yutoka Manu, I mean, I think it's sort of, I guess, any Eels prop off the bench in particular, sort of because... The expectation, obviously, like Lane and Madison play 80 minutes, Brown can play 80 minutes, Campbell Gillard and, and Paulo can play 60 minutes. So it's really just like trying to find you know, that sort of that balance to to try and get them to play. So obviously that's why you know Paul Yutokamano only only got that one run right at the end, and then you know obviously capped it off with as we we're saying with the with the COVID breach. But look, I mean, I think I guess I, I can see this one if it you know the Eels are ahead by quite a fair bit. I, I can easily see. You know, Brad Arthur giving Paulo, Campbell Gillard, even one of the back rolls a spell, and you know, Yutoikamanu and and uh, Takarangi will get a bit more, bit more game time, which obviously you'd expect. Like you know, there's still, you know, a good nine rounds to go plus finals and whatnot. So you, you know, you want you want your guys to be fresh. But I think, as you mentioned, Jay Field. I think what what actually impressed me, probably more so than his running game against the Knights last week, is was his defence. I mean, we know how good Lachlan Fitzgibbon can be on that that left edge for the Knights. And I thought on two or three separate occasions, Jai Field made incredible tackles around the legs to literally just, and essentially completely stopping Fitzgibbon's run from, you know, from, 
pretty close to the try line too. And obviously then you have other players coming over the top, but sort of it's those tackles that if you don't make them, chances are the back row is going to just go over for a pretty easy try in the end. Yeah, 100%. And I think obviously you have a look at where the Dragons are at the moment and you're just thinking they must be absolutely kicking themselves letting Jay Field go because he just looks like a whole new player there. Obviously didn't get a lot of uh, opportunity at Dragons, but he's, you know, snatched this one with two hands. And I think uh, I was going to make that exact same point about a Toikamanu with, you know, some guys perhaps getting some early showers over the next few weeks if, if the Eels get up and get up big. So uh, I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago with Mitch Moses where it, the injury perhaps was a little bit of a blessing in disguise in giving Jay Field a little bit of a run just in case anything does happen later on in the season. And, you know, with guys like Campbell Gillard and Junior Paul, they've had their history with injuries as well. And, you know, it's uh, important that guys like Atoikamanu and Niakore and Gower do stay fresh, especially with no New South Wales Cup. So just giving them that game fitness and um, getting them ready just in case disaster does strike. Obviously, touch wood for, for your Eels that it doesn't. But, yeah, it's super important. And I think player management is going to really come into it down, down the track this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I think when... Particularly when Moses comes back, I can certainly see Field getting a spot on the bench. Just, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess it'll sort of change the role that he has and whether he comes on, you know, chances are he may come on as a, like a floating sort of forward, much like Ray Stone does in a way as well when he was playing. But obviously he's out with a broken hand until round 14 or something or whatever it is. So certainly still plenty of time there for Field to, you know, make, at, at the very least, make a bench spot his own and, and just, yeah, just, just be that sort of additional spark off the bench that a lot of teams look for and basically just exploiting any any weaknesses or, or any tired, tired defen- defensive lines around that 30 to six, either 30-minute mark or 60, 65-minute mark. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits in moving forward once Moses does return and if he's in Arthur's plans or not. So first game on Sunday, we have the Warriors and the Sharks. And obviously we touched on the Warriors uh, with their loss to the Titans last week. I don't think the Warriors were, were, were too bad. Obviously, Tuvasa Shek was suspended. Oh, wait, was he suspended? No, he was back last week. Oh, he was back. That was the week before. There you go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so certainly, I guess, the, you know, even if even if it is one week, sort of, you know, your, your combinations go out of whack. So they probably weren't as fluid as we've seen them in the past. But with Nick Arima coming back in this week is probably is, is probably a bigger boost than many might, might think just because, you know, Nick Arima has certainly been the form half for the Warriors pretty much since the resumption. He's had quite a few good games. We do see Katoa come back as well, which is just another boost for them. Obviously, you know, whether whether we see one of the back rowers sort of stay there or, to, you know, Tall Harris moves into the middle like he's done quite a fair bit with success, mind you. I mean, certainly, I think I think Tohu might have found a, a new position playing at lock, particularly, you know, for next season with the uncertainty about Adam Blair. And look, I mean, the Sharks, I mean, oh, I mean, they weren't bad, but they weren't good. But I think it probably showed that when it comes to the the, the top sides that, yeah, you probably don't think the Sharks are going to be able to really give those sides a run for their money, seeing as they just seem to concede at will against Penrith, Tom. Yeah, and I think last week was a little bit of a witness test for Canola. They needed to show up, and unfortunately they didn't because, you know, obviously over the next month they've got a pretty friendly run. They've got obviously the Warriors this week and then the Dragons, Broncos, uh, your Eels, and then the Titans. So a couple of easy games in there. Obviously it was a bit of a difficult one, but, you know, they've really got to show up against the tough teams if they want to prove that they're going to be a contender this year, and they haven't really shown us that so far. Obviously a um, couple of tough losses over the last few weeks for them, and 
it's going to be tough for Cronulla now, obviously sitting in that ninth place. They're probably in a little bit of a battle with Manly and the Tigers for that last spot in the eight. But I think uh, for the Warriors, unfortunately, it's just that instability starting to catch up with them. Obviously, this might be the last week for guys like uh, Ken Mamalo, David Fuzatua, King Buniyawewa, and um, Ignatius Parsi, who are all expected to fly home. Obviously, as you said, Tori Harris, he's been outstanding. I thought that once Tabunga came back, he might just uh, sort into that second row spot and sort of go back to the, the way he's played in the past. But he, he was excellent on uh, Friday night last week. And two of us, check he just makes that team uh, instantly uh, so much better. And we saw that with that first scrum play that he put on for the, for the try. Probably expect the Sharks to get up here. But again, the Sharks just very inconsistent, much like the teams around them on the ladder. And, you know, they've got to get up for this game because... LC Katoa back for the Warriors, and you know they're going to be fired up and uh, got a good record on the Central Coast Warriors. So could be a tighter, tighter one than most people think, but you probably back the Sharks in. Yeah, I mean that's for sure. I mean it's certainly, you know, the Warriors have shown that you know that they certainly won't be easy beats despite everything that's going on. I guess probably interesting one for me. I mean I think it, I think most Sharks fans have certainly been critical of him this year. Is Jack Williams has just been dropped completely. And we have Toby Rudolph starting at lock for the Sharks now. I mean, look, Rudolph offers pretty good impact off the bench. Certainly, uh, he's, he's probably been, a, I guess, a shining light in a few ways for the Sharks this season, considering that, you know, Woods has been criticised a fair bit. Fafita's been in and out with injury. So they've probably had to look elsewhere for, I guess, that forward momentum. Royce Hunt has been pretty good as well. I guess, is this a sort of a signal? Maybe it's a changing of the guard in the forwards, particularly in the props. For, for the Sharks, Tom, obviously, for feeder, he's out injured with the hamstring injury, I guess, is on the decline, I guess, if you can put it that way, this year. Wood's getting criticised heavily. Is it time to see, you know, these young guys get more opportunities to start? Yeah, obviously, I think it depends a little bit on how the rest of their season carries out. Obviously, that experience from guys like Aaron Woods is super important if they want to make a finals run. But if things start to go south, we might see... Guys like Royce Hunt really take that starting role alongside Braden Hamonueli and Toby Rudolph and enter a little bit of a, a mini rebuild, if you if you like to put it that way. I think with Jack Williams, obviously, I was reading some uh, stats last week and I think his errors were really starting to creep in. I, I think I was reading that per 80 minutes played, he had one of the highest uh, error rates in the league um, of any player. So that's obviously a big concern. I think for Toby Rudolph coming in, it may be a similar move as to what we've seen with Mike Maguire and Russell Packer, just trying to negate those larger forwards. Obviously, Tanua Brown and uh, Torhu Harris and Adam Blair obviously offered the Warriors some really nice go forward through the middle. And that extra little bit of size and uh, height that Toby Rudolph offers, just a little bit of an X factor there, just to perhaps negate that and really get on the front foot. Because I think if you can stop the Warriors forwards, uh, you leave their backs very limited room to, to, to manoeuvre. Uh, an interesting one is the opposition, number 13, is Carl Wharton. Obviously, perhaps in a similar role to Cam McInnes, as we spoke, just that you know um, smaller ball-playing forward who's going to offer footwork at the line, maybe not as many hit-ups, but just a, you know an extra option out the back or had first receiver. And you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how um, Todd Payton's men play, play that one. Right, so our final game of the round. Obviously, we are back to the 2 p.m. and 4.05 games on a Sunday. No more 6 o'clock games, which I guess is is a good and bad thing, depending what side of, side of the field that you're on. But Panthers versus Cowboys, again, much like quite a few teams, completely different ends of the spectrum in terms of where they're at. Look, it, it's pretty much a Panthers win, and 
it could be by a fair bit, couldn't it, Tom? Yeah, definitely. And just before we get started, I'm 100% on board with the 2 and 4 p.m. I found myself absolutely waiting around on uh, last Sunday for that night's Eels game to kick off. And I'm glad we've got some early footy back. So big loss, obviously, this week for the Cowboys in Valentine Holmes. Gone for you know the best part of the rest of the season. I think that really dents any hope they had of making a little bit of a run towards the finals. Obviously, Hamiso uh, Tabuaifido will sort it to the back there. But he's... Yeah, just doesn't have the experience or the class of Val, and I think that's pretty pretty evident from what we've seen so far. He's obviously a, a really talented guy, but just needs those extra extra couple of games under the belt. And then Penrith, they were super impressive last week against uh, the Sharks. Obviously, um, there'll be no Charlie Staines this week after his COVID breach, but they'll bring in uh, Dean Farre, and we've seen what he can do in the past, and you know, great player defensively and on attack. So he'll slot right back into that side, and you know, I can see this one being a bit of a bloodbath, and you know. I think another good point, and we'll probably speak about it a little bit later with uh, Kate Ellis, but uh, Penrith are doing a really great job of developing some of that talent from the Central West with guys like um, Charlie Staines and Billy Burns as well. So, you know, they're obviously doing a great job in their junior recruitment and a number of young guys, good young guys coming through for them. So it's uh, super exciting for Penrith fans, not only this year, but uh, moving forward to the future as well with Nathan Cleary steering this year. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it certainly, as you said, the loss of our homes, I mean... It, it was probably almost even underdone last week and it didn't take very long for him to, you know, to feel sort of the, I guess, the niggly effect of, of what an ankle injury can do. And I guess it just caught up with him. And yeah, in the end, obviously now he's out for eight to 10 weeks with a, he had a arthroscopy, however you say it. Uh, and yeah, obviously, you know, he had a bit of syndesmosis damage or something or whatever it was as well. So that's just not good news for them. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly... As much as Hamiso can do from the back, he's still developing. And, yeah, it's just too difficult to see this really being a close game, as bad as that will sound to Cowboys fans. Yeah, and I think, obviously, while Val's a big loss for the Cowboys, on the flip side, Dylan Edwards has been really great for the Panthers over the last few weeks. He's offered a lot, both in, in his running game and his ball-playing ability as well. And I think we saw that last week. He weighed on a number of tries. And if Nathan Cleary and Jerome Lewick can be taking a backseat in games and they're still... 56 points like they're a serious threat this year and I think more than anything they could be the team that really causes a few upsets to some of those top sides like uh, Melbourne uh, uh, the Roosters and Parramatta yeah they certainly look the goods that's for sure so there's plenty plenty for Penrith fans to cheer about I mean look as, you know, as always every week rugby league there's plenty of news that goes around good or bad whether people agree or not so we'll just have a bit of a recap we'll start with Herman SASA will go to the Titans next year, Tom. Now, obviously, there's still that ongoing talk about David Fafida. What what is he going to do? Nothing's been confirmed. In the instance that he doesn't go to the Titans, SASA is not not a bad grab for the Titans. I thought, you know, I, mean, I think at the moment playing at lock for the Knights is doing some good things, and he'll certainly give the Titans some some mongrel and sort of you know aggression in that forward pack. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a really good signing for them. Actually, I think obviously if they're going to lose Dry Arrow next year to Souths as well. Herman SASA is, you know, a relatively like-for-like -like replacement, you know, good, aggressive uh, lock. He's, you know, got a good offload on him, and I think he's really coming into some good form in his career. I think probably, you know, the last two years, he's probably been, you know, in the two best of his career, in my opinion. I think he's really slotted in well to that Newcastle system, and, yeah, I'm pretty keen to see what he can do up there on the Gold Coast. Yeah, I mean, look, and he'll certainly slot into, a, I guess, a forward pack that, you know, is relatively young for the most part. I mean, obviously, you know, we have, have Keegan Hipgrave, who, you know, obviously is kind of in and out with his concussions at the moment. 
you know, Rise of Bo- Rise of Bo Bo Fermor. Ryan James is obviously most likely coming back next year as well from his ACL. So, you know, they're certainly forming a, a decent little forward pack there with with the addition of SASA for next year. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see interesting to see how he slots into the Titan side and you know whether they make any more additions like for feeder or like someone else to, I guess, really cement that forward pack as a as one that can challenge the better forward packs in the league. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that uh, well, we it feels like an age since he debuted for the the Bulldogs. Uh, Herman, you know, he's he's only been around in the league for sort of six or seven years. He's only played eighty games, so he's still pretty fresh. But you know, Samoan and New Zealand international, you know, always good signing when you can get a player of his caliber. That's for sure. Probably are still 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 on signings, but for the Canberra Raiders, I mean, look, they 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 love their Englishman. Obviously, we know they've got it was Josh Hodgson, Elliot Whitehead, you know, John Bateman, who is obviously going now, Ryan Sutton, you know, goes on and on. Probably, I guess, one that many Australian fans probably wouldn't have heard of. And look, I'll be honest, I mean, I keep tabs on the Super League to some extent, but even I'd never heard of him before. I mean, I don't think he's played Super League either. Harry Rushton, I mean, all I know is he plays in the forward pack. There's talk he could be a replacement for John Bateman, but I think. Uh, Peter Mulholland has said he might start in Jersey Flag next year, obviously just to get him used to the Australian system and help, you know, the Australian style of rugby league. Are you expecting big things from Russian based on what you might know of him, Tom? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I've never heard of uh, Harry Rushton before today. You know, having a look at you know, what little you can find about him online, he seems like he's a pretty talented second rower and you know, only 18 years of age, so definitely a name to uh, keep in the, in the black book for the future. But I think he's played for uh, Wigan's academy side, and also he's uh, represented England at you know academy level over there. So I think he'll definitely sort into the under-20s pathways down there in Canberra. And you know, we've seen with guys like Bateman and Hodgson that Ricky Stewart loves to develop a, a good young Englishman. I think, yeah, definitely could be one for the future. So we'll see how he goes. Yeah, I mean, so I was a bit surprised. I was like, Harry Rush, I was like, I've never heard of this guy before. But yeah. obviously, Ricky Stewart saw something that he liked. So, and he has a good track record with the Englishmen. So, we'll just see how this one pans out. Now, look, obviously, the next bit of news is, I guess, it's probably the biggest news just in terms of, from, from more of an ongoing sense, uh, you know, all the uncertainty about Dean Pay's role. And obviously, we know he's going, we know he's, he's gone effectively with uh, Steve Jorgalis, will be the, the interim head coach. Trent Barrett is the new coach, Tom, for the Dogs, supposedly. I mean, do the Dogs need to try and go out and find an elite guy or is someone like Barrett someone that can... Obviously, we know what he did at Manly. I guess his his time at Manly was ended rather prematurely in the eyes of many. Is Trent Barrett ready for another first-grade gig as, as, as a top-line coach or are the Bulldogs, I guess, maybe underselling themselves here with, with their ambition? No, I, I think Trent Barrett uh, would be a good pickup for them. I don't think he was really given that great an opportunity um, when he was at Manly to really show what he could do. I think he, in, you know, uh, both the seasons he was there, I think he, or sorry, all three seasons, you know, Tom Trebojevich wasn't fit the whole time, and their system, as it still is, was uh, so strongly built around um, built around Tommy Turbo. So I think with a fully fit roster, obviously uh, he's going to need a little bit of control over that. that recruitment process to really get the squad that he wants obviously the Bulldogs are coming into a little bit of money now with a few of their signings sort of clearing up and he'll he'll bring in a new coaching staff with him as well with uh, assistant coach there at the Dogs Steve Antonelli he'll leave with Dean Pay so alongside Steve Georgialis and Brad Henderson you know this could be an 
interesting little combo I, I read during the week that the thoughts are that while Ivan Cleary, you know, he's running or he's the face of the coaching staff there at Penrith, you know, Trent Barrett's playing a super important role and we've seen what Penrith have done this year already. You know, Trent Barrett could be the man to, to bring back the Bulldogs from the brink. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Certainly it's very, very divided among Dogs fans and social media, but, you know, I guess all you can do is wait and see. Obviously it has to be confirmed first, but, you know, I guess it just became untenable with Dean Pay, and yeah, they made that call to have him or Dean Pay, or they told Dean Pay. You never know with with these coaching releases and all that, you know, that, that, all that jazz. But the de- decision was made for them to part ways, and yeah, Trent Barrett seems to be the front runner. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised they maybe didn't go after a they didn't go after a Jeff Tuvey or a Nathan Brown. Um, obviously, those guys are out of positions at the moment, but there was a little bit of word coming out the last couple of weeks, you know, that the Bulldogs were chasing guys like Bellamy and Bennett. I don't think that's coming through for them. So, so I think a, a Barrett is a, a good uh, and logical next step down. Yeah, I guess we'll see, obviously, once it's confirmed, if if it is, in fact, the case. I mean, sticking with the Bulldogs as well, uh, Jaden Ockenbaugh and Corey Harawira Naira, they've been reinstated. Obviously, that they'll have they'll be serving suspended sentences. Uh, Harawira Naira had the lesser suspension of the two so i think as long as he is all cleared in terms of biosecurity measures he can come back as early as next week obviously a little bit longer for ockenbaugh did the reinstatement surprise you at all tom the based on you know the whole appeal process uh uh probably yeah ockenbaugh surprised me a little bit um but you know i think obviously the appeals committee have gone through their their process and deemed deemed that he, he can come back so we'll run with that and I think the Bulldogs really need both of them back. Obviously, Harawira and Iris had a good couple of years there in the second row, and Ockenbaugh probably provides that, that spark over a guy like Christian Crichton, you know, that extra bit of height and strength on the wing that we've spoken about over the last few weeks um, and, you know, stated the importance of, of those two attributes. It puts the Bulldogs in a little bit of a tough spot, though, obviously, after that incident um, earlier in the year, they lost their, their head sponsor in Rache's for the, uh, for the jersey sponsor, and... I guess it provides a little bit of a conflict of interest between, you know, do they want their best team on, on the park or do they want to, you know, strengthen club culture? And the Bulldogs are trying so hard to return to the glory days of, you know, the family club there at Belmore. So a little bit of talk of a development uh, going down there at Belmore Oval and in the space of 500 million. And yeah, it puts them in a tough spot. But uh, yeah, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't want to be Trent Barrett walking in there um, as early as next week. Yeah, that's for sure. I will end on one that I found a bit interesting, Tom. So, again, you never know what to believe. This is rugby league. A lot of stories come and go. The Warriors, or not the, I guess the Warriors owners more so, that seems to be where a lot of it is coming from. They have approached or reportedly approached Adam Blair asking if he wants to take an early retirement. He is contracted for 2021 with the Warriors. You know, he, I think he might be, what, 35, 36 or so upon the completion of next season. Sort of what what do you make of like owners kind of, I guess not interfering, but sort of trying to, you know, dictate how they want things to be instead of leaving it to a coach or sort of, I guess, coming in and trying to assert some sort of dominance over the entire club itself. Like, is, for example, is it, if you're in their position, would you approach a player like Adam Blair with one year to go on his contract and say, look, we'd love it if you can retire early so we can pursue other options? Yeah, I don't think that's uh, the greatest choice, to be honest. And I think 
obviously, I don't think it's the greatest the greatest decision at, at the best of times, but I think especially this year, Adam Blair has sacrificed so much for the club. I think I mentioned it before, but you know uh, his family situation with the, his his partner doing um, postgraduate study over there in New Zealand, and they had it all mapped out, and then obviously COVID hit, and they had to make enormous sacrifices as a family to to help out the Warriors and help out the league. And I think that you know at somewhere along the line, Adam Blair deserves some, some credit for that from the owners and. He's such an experienced player and a veteran of the league. Obviously, you know, 320 games up his sleeve. You know, it's, as much as our game is now a business, that's there's no way, you know, a, a player of his caliber. Obviously, he had those great years at Melbourne and then sort of faded at Tigers and Brisbane. And then I actually think he's been one of their best this year. Uh, the Warriors, he's been pretty solid, but obviously uh, the Warriors are in a bit of a, a tough spot financially. And yeah, to, it's a difficult one and you know there's no correct answer probably wouldn't have done it myself but then obviously it leaves you in a tough spot for for next year and the years to come yeah look, i mean it, i guess it just surprised me it's sort of i mean i guess it's to a similar extent they're doing it to blake green as well who obviously you know very experienced player in his own right but certainly compared to blair i mean what we only have of how many players have played since 1901 or whenever it is and blair is only one of what 30 odd 30, give or take, to play 300-plus games. I mean, he's certainly been a servant to the game, you know, a servant to the Warriors. And, you know, as as you said, like, you know, certainly in very trying times, he's, you know, he's stuck by the club. He sort of hasn't, you know, shied away from voicing his opinion on what it means to the club and to the players there to continue playing. And, you know, he was open about having to make the sacrifices that he and others, he and other players had to make. So, yeah, it's just an interesting one, I think, to, you know, to sort of willingly try and convince, you know, an elder statesman of your team essentially to, you know, to retire a year a year early just because you're a new owner and whatnot. But I'd be surprised if, because apparently it's an option in Blair's favor, in uh, in Blair's favor as well. So I guess you, you know, you would, you'd probably, I mean, would you take it as long as the club paid you out in full as well? So I guess there's all that stuff to weigh up, but. It's a very interesting tactic to 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 take as as an owner of a club. Yeah, and it would be definitely interesting. I think the Warriors at the moment are in need of leaders, and obviously Blair is such an experienced guy, as we said, and he's a, a proud Kiwi and 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 Maori leader within you know both the New Zealand system and and the uh, Maori All Star system when that was set up at at uh, the start of 2018. And it'd be sad to see him go and leave in in such circumstances. But you know if that does happen, I would not be surprised to see him potentially end up at another club for like a one-year stint or something like that and you know maybe it's not necessarily retirement that will be his next move yeah it's very true i guess we never know in rugby league well that wraps it up for another week of take the two certainly plenty of news to digest plenty of exciting games ahead and we will also catch you next week to review round nine preview round 11 and talk about all and any news that happens during the week so we'll catch you next week tom Say hello, Ricky. Thanks, everyone.